Hello and welcome to series three of Have Another Cuppa. I can't believe we're on our third series already. I'd just like to thank you all so much for supporting and listening. So to kick off, we've got the brilliant Georgia Vitrek. She is an illustrator and she literally yesterday finished her degree. So massive congratulations, Georgia. That's really amazing. She designed our brand new cover for the podcast, which looks lush and I love it so much. And today we're going to be talking about all of her work around sex education and talking about topics that can sometimes be a little bit taboo. So... Without any further ado, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Well, as much as I want, it's nice just to have a catch up with you, really. Yeah. So, my first question is then why did you choose to study in Cardiff? Oh, this is going to sound really bad, but uh, I actually got rejected from every other uni <laughs> um, because I went to a bit of a do- dodgy college and my A-levels weren't great, And then, but obviously Cardiff took me on just based on my portfolio, so I got quite lucky with that. So that's the reason I ended up in Cardiff, but I think fate happens for a reason, and I'm glad I came here. Uh, but yeah, that's the reason I'm in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no... I mean, sometimes, like you said, that's the best way sometimes um, is when you're not expecting it or, you know, if it's taken out of your hands a little bit, it's sometimes really nice. Cool. And has Cardiff, I mean, did you know a lot about Cardiff when you applied or has it been different than what you thought? Because you're originally from just outside London, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So was that very different, do you think, to what you're expecting or? Uh, I think like... I don't know what I was expecting with Cardiff because me applying for uni was very last minute anyway, so I didn't do as much research as I think a lot of people did. I was very much just in the mentality of I just want to go to uni mm. and not too fussed about where I ended up. Uh, I went to like an open day and it was really cool and I had a lot of fun. And I think I'm quite lucky with Cardiff being quite a fun place in general, just as a lot going on. Yeah kind of benefited me in a lot of ways art-wise but the course itself that I'm studying is great as well I think I just got really lucky ending up here yeah I think I got quite blessed yeah and obviously with everything that's going on at the minute your last couple of months on your course has changed quite dramatically because you know everyone's self-isolating has that affected your work at the moment or how is it how are you coping with that at the minute I think, like, it has its pros and cons, like, cons being, like, not having, like, access to certain things, but I think I've definitely learned to adapt a lot more with, like, what I'm doing and sort of adapting projects to be able to do from home, as well as learning just how to work from home, because I won't always have access to a uni studio, Mm. but it's kind of just brought that on a bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, I'm still getting, like, all the support and stuff, it's just all online. So it's not like the course itself is failing. It's just adjusting to having to do work in your bedroom Hmm. sort of with limited access to materials and stuff like that and sort of having to, you know, learn how to use a computer properly and learn how to use these programs and rather than just hopping and speaking to a tutor, I've got to do it myself. But it's all all benefiting in a way. Like, yes, being self-isolating is a bit crap, but... I'm learning so much from it 
Mm. And I feel like these couple of months have been able to take me forward into what life will actually be like as an illustrator working as freelance rather than just studying. Mm. Yeah, and I was going to say, do you think as an artist you feel like you need to respond to what's going on at the minute? Um, you know, has the situation itself with coronavirus and everything like that, has that had, do you think, an immediate effect with on your work or is it more just in the way you work, obviously, from home now? I think there's a lot of things that I've done because of what's going on, like a lot of sort of aside work. Mm. I'm up, which has been quite fun. Like we, I recently did like a colouring page for an NHS fundraising colouring book for kids. Like there's lots of stuff that I think the art community, especially, are sort of doing to try and keep people positive. Which I think I've done aside from just uni work, which mm. has been really fun. But in terms of just my uni work, it's not overly affected it too much. It means I've had to, I've sort of like taken a bit of time off and had to come back to it. But other than that. I'm still doing the work that I started off, but also just doing loads of fun stuff on the side as well. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Did you say a colouring book for um, to raise money for the NHS? Yes, so all of my course are doing like a couple of pages each, and we're all just going to piece them together, and then sort of like you can donate if you want to, but it's just like a fun thing that we've all done, uh, basing it around sort of NHS and key workers and like the supporting them. Oh, amazing. Which is really fun. And when's that coming out? Do you know yet? Uh, The deadline for it today was today, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks that will come out. We've just got to sort of piece it all together and gather up everything. Yeah, and that's amazing because I know quite a few adults would probably enjoy doing that. We've done it, so it's like a range, so there's Mm. like a lot of covering pages that definitely are aimed at kids, and then there's a few more that could be. Like, I know with my one, I took the Mickey a bit and did those <laughs> toilet rolls, sort of, like, floating around. <laughs> that's a bit more aimed at, sort of, like, adults and stuff like that. We just tried to keep it as open as possible. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. the intention of creating something fun while all of this is going on. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That sounds so cool. You'd be more productive than I am, anyway. Um, <laughs> and what is your hope, then? I know you were hoping to go on and do an MA next year. Is that still the hope? Has that been delayed a little bit at the minute, or is that still the plan? plan. Mm-hmm. At the moment, uh, I've just applied actually, so hopefully, fingers crossed, yeah. we get through. But that is still the plan for next year, mm. all being that everything is back to normal by then. Yeah, yeah, and illustration. Would is there a particular field you'd like to go into? Is in illustrating for a magazine, for example, or illustrating for this or that, or is it? Are you kind of open at the minute? to the different possibilities I have like an aim of where I want to be maybe mm. it's a little bit of a step outside illustration I think I've used the course to definitely just sort of create work but I definitely want to go into sex education mm. somewhere or another uh, if I can combine my illustration with that great that would be like the ideal dream is sort of like make a lot of work that can relate to people and relate to those issues surrounding that subject area but I am sort of still feeling quite happy to float about and just do what comes my way mm. and definitely want to try and do some more workshops with people maybe some children I think that would be quite fun uh, just sort of quite happy to talk about there's no like direct need or want to do something it's just whatever comes my way I'm going to try and make the best of it I think yeah lush and yeah so on your Instagram on your sort of bio 
Um, it says, illustrator ex exploring sex education and everything that's a little bit taboo. So where did that initial idea come from? Why do you, why do you think you have a sort of want to look at that specific subject, do you think? I think based from personal experiences, like I found a lot of what worked well for me work-wise throughout like all of my art life is just basing it off personal experiences and stuff that's happened to me I find it's a little bit more informed and just a bit more what I love to do so especially growing up into a teenager and a young adult I had a lot of issues with like sex education and then I just grew a curiosity I guess into these weird and wonderful things that maybe people don't talk about I think I'm quite a loud personality anyway like just by the way I look and how I act and how I dress like I think I quite like to shout in a room, so creating work that sort of does that as well, I find quite fun. Mm. I just have this weird curiosity for people and how people work, and often or not, it is normally weird sex shit or <laughs> some weird issue that people seem to have that no one talks about. Like, that tends to be what I tend to look at the most. Yeah. Like, I'm not afraid to sort of break down that hidden wall that people seem to have sometimes about these issues and just be really blasé about it. Mm. And how do you think then your art then transpires into educating? How do you see it educating? Do you know what I mean? Like going from one level of being a piece of art or illustration and then being able to educate the public or young people. Is there a target audience? Probably mostly teenagers that I'm aiming at, or young adults. I think kids, especially with those subject areas, you have to be really careful with and what you say and what you do. Mm. Uh, there's a lot more ethics that have to go into that. So definitely sort of would aim towards teenagers and young adults. And I think a lot of the work I create and the images I make sort of correlate to information that's gathered from different sources. So, you know, I won't just think of it in my head I'll do my research so for the zine I've just made is about contraception so I spent probably like a week or two just solidly researching different contraceptives and what they do so I know what I'm talking about when I put it down on paper um that's normally how I would use the education side of it but mm. I want to sort of take that information and sort of take it a step away from the clinical you know leaflet you see in a doctor's office because we all know no one is going to read that <laughs> with any pleasure at all. They're just going to glance over it and not really notice what it's saying. Whereas if it's like a fun, bright and colourful, like exciting, very down to that person's like level, um, maybe using a little less technical jargon and stuff like that, they're more likely to engage a bit, meaning that they are getting the education they need from that whilst also enjoying enjoying engaging with it and gaining ways of discussing that with other people. Yeah, definitely. I think especially coming from a young person as well. You know, when you I remember in school, um, we had to watch uh, All These Women Give Birth, right? I cannot remember why specifically, but it was like 20 minutes of different women giving birth, <laughs> which really doesn't bother me, so I don't know what they were trying to do. But it was taught by like one of the oldest teachers there which is fine but I think if it had been taught by somebody maybe in their 20s or you know closer to our age mm. I mean I think you'd have felt maybe you could ask more questions definitely um, like yeah 
learning about that in school and that's something that I struggled with as well in school you know we'd sit in a room where we'd be separated between guys and girls and the guys would sit and put condoms on bananas and we'd have to sit in a room and be told about all these horrific things that could happen if I felt pregnant and it just you know went straight over my head and I'm pretty sure it went straight over the head of everyone else in that room not because we didn't want to learn about it it's just the way it's being approached Um, because if you're trying to teach kids about having safe sex scaring them with all the horrific things that are going on that could happen Mm. rather than just going well if you're going to do this you need to do this this and this before you know it's it's a better way to deal with that situation yeah and I I always believe that's the way it should be done rather than trying to scaremonger a bunch of teenagers into not having sex when we all know full know well that they're going to have sex it's just going to happen like that's part of life so why not educate those kids in the correct ways and give them advice rather than just sort of playing it off as if it's this horrible thing that you shouldn't do. Like, I just don't think sex education in some ways is the best way taught in schools. And you are right with maybe having someone a bit more their age range and they feel more comfortable to ask these questions. Because I can promise you, I would not want to ask my six-year-old RE teacher about <laughs> Like, I wouldn't think about anything worse as a teenager. Yeah. So. Mm. I remember when they talked to us about periods. I was in year five. And I have, a dis- like, a distinct memory. And we were, we were in the hall and we had to sit in a circle. You did the same And words. then we had to pass a pad around, like, a period pad around. And, like, everyone was just like, you know, do I just... Like, you didn't, you didn't want to give it away too soon because you didn't want to seem like, oh, I don't want to touch it. And then, but you didn't want to hold it too long either. And then some people were like, hmm, yes, that feels very nice. Hmm. Oh, I don't, what are you supposed to do with a pad? Like, what? I, I still don't understand. Marsha um, put a tampon in a glass of water <gasps> and was passing it around to us. And obviously, at that young age, I was fascinated by the fact that this thing literally puffed up yeah. into the great big cotton ball. Had no idea what that was for or why. No. I just found that utterly fascinating. Yeah. But then when it came to having a period, I was like, what the hell's a tampon? Never used one, never seen one, don't understand. Yeah. No, 100%. I think the worst thing about learning about periods was that we learned about periods, boys learned about sex. Yeah. Did you find that as well? Because then we came back, so the boys had gone off to one room, the girls had gone off to another, then we came back, and then any questions we had, we had to ask in the same room. Mine was very similar to that. Yeah. It was like, the girls were scuttled off into the corner, and they were talking about this, and the boys were learning about, I think it probably was sex, or something very similar to that. Mm. And, you know, like, I think the maturity of the room wasn't the best, obviously, for that age. You know, you can't expect a kid to be serious when you're telling them the story of Adam and Eve and how mummy and daddy gave birth to you. Like, you can't expect a child to to get that, like, maturity and grasp mm. that. Um, so having to ask questions about periods while the guy sat next to me is laughing his head off about the fact that my shooter said penis. (laughs) I was such a child, sorry. (laughs) 
it is funny when but you talk is, about it's it. It's only when you it's think good back. To laugh yeah. About it. yeah. <laughs> At the time, it's just like, well, that just shows completely why the way you teach this education is an ideal. Mm. And I think boys should know about periods. I don't think it should be this segregated subject. I think the more you know, the better at the end of the day. Yeah. And you can speak to your partner or whoever about these issues and have an understanding. It shouldn't be segregated between male or female or who has a period and who doesn't. Don't think that's entirely fair. Yeah, I find... those suggest the idea that men are out for sex and girls are made for reproduction. And I think that's an entirely different issue itself. But if you look at it that way, you're teaching kids that. Yeah. No, 100%. I was just going to say, I think, I don't think at the time I really noticed, just because I was young and, you know, you don't, you don't know. Um, but looking back, it is really weird that the girls got taken off somewhere to learn about this horrible, dirty thing that happens to them. You know, that's kind of how it's sort of perceived by a lot of people. And then the boys, you know, and then the girls are brought back. And, uh, yeah, it's really weird. Would you... So from your sort of point of view, then, would you say that year five, so that's, what, uh, nine and ten-year-olds, do you think that's a good age to start learning about that? Do you think it should be younger, older? What do you think? I think you should... And never be afraid to tell a child about that stuff. I think there's different ways to approach it. I definitely think a lot younger children, you obviously can't come out with it. But, you know, you should be telling them the appropriate ways to address things, I think. At least learn the anatomy of themselves and maybe teach kids from a younger age about their own bodies and the things that will happen. I think that's important and I think it's important to educate as a group rather than separating kids Maybe nine or ten is, pro- I guess, the age where kids start to hit puberty. Yeah. Uh, it would be a good time to start teaching them, but I think it shouldn't be treated as this separate thing. It should be like, right, well, you're nine and ten, this is puberty, this is a period, like, explain it to everyone in the room. I also think teaching kids once a year about these things isn't great, because that was certainly what my sex education was like. It was like, round year five, you got something, and then you had... To be honest, that was it then. Mm. And then you hit, like, year eight or year nine, I think. And we had this, like, obviously the boys were in one room putting condoms and bananas and the girls were in another finding out about how pregnancy is horrific and all this horrible stuff. Mm. And it's the same thing. The boys didn't learn anything. They just learned how to put a condom and a banana. And I walked out absolutely terrified that getting pregnant was going to be the end of my life. And Mm. I was like, well, no, that's obviously not the issue here. Like, you're just teaching it wrong. I think it should be a consistent build-up throughout kids' lives and the education system. And as they grow up, there should be, okay, we're about 12 or 13 now. Now's about the time they should start learning about conception or how to have safe relationships Mm. rather than just, you're going to have sex, don't do these things, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it's also, you're not teaching kids about safe relationships and how to approach people and approach situations and if they feel like something's not okay they need to be taught that they can speak out about that like I never as a child got told if a man or any relationship that I'm in if someone does this to you this is not okay I did not know that I learned that from my mum because she sat me down but I know every kid is not going to have that relationship with their parents yeah 
like things like that I think are really important and if you bring those into like the education side of sex and like growing up I think a lot more a lot less issues will come out of this because kids will know and they would have known from such a young age that these things are are okay and these things are okay to talk about and that it's not this big scary thing that everyone makes it out to be yeah no I 100% agree I think um the key there is safe relationships rather than safe sex because I suppose safe relationships the the rest will come from that kind of thing. It's a big blanket term, I think. Yeah. It covers everything that should be taught. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because that can definitely still be sex education, but it can also mm. be just how to be nice to people and how to approach people and how to understand when something's not right and something is right. Yeah. No, definitely. And what do you think inspired you to sort of um take these ideas and turn them into art is this what got you into art in the first place or has it developed over the years do you think I think even from a young age I used art as sort of my avenue of expression and dealing with things and you know I would just make pictures about stuff that I liked and pictures of stuff that I didn't like and it was just my way of dealing with situations. And I think as I've grown up and sort of developed my art style, that has stayed with me. Mm. So a lot of the subjects I talk about, I probably have experienced myself and are using my art as a way to get that art on paper and deal with it myself, but also use it as like a positive thing. Mm. And always been my aim with art is sort of like turning whatever's happened, good or bad, into something positive. Yeah. And do you think there's any artists that have inspired you? Because I remember, you know, I'm not coming from an artist's point of view now, but um, the Jacqueline Wilson books when I was a kid, uh, is it Nick Olsen? Oh, his name his name's Nick, definitely. Yeah. Can't remember his surname. But awesome. Nick. Good man, Nick. Um just you know, it it I I think his illustrations for the Jacqueline Wilson books really um embody that world that she writes in and it really like takes you to that place. Um was there anyone like you that did that when you were a kid or has you know done that since that you think really embodies and that, which really inspires you? I'm probably going to go with every single Studio Ghibli film on the planet. I think all of their animations are absolutely stunning and portray like their stories so well. Uh, another artist that I definitely, as I started my degree, I learned about this. One of my lovely tutors, actually. Her <laughs> name is Leila Holzer. She does a lot of like print and paper cutting, and I just love the way she depicts her images the way she does printing and paper cutting is all stunning. And I'm just like, oh, teach me your ways. How do you do this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think with a lot of artists, I'm inspired by a lot of how they approach things. I think more than that artwork. Uh, I think I'm inspired by a lot of artists and how they do things and that artwork, obviously. But I think I'm more inspired by how artists approach subjects and how they depict them. I think that's always been my thing. So it's probably a lot of animators and stuff like that. Like, I was obsessed with Adventure Time. Can't tell you who the animator was for my mm-hmm. life, but, like, absolutely stunning animation. I think yeah. that's just really well done. Mm. 
And yeah, because I think um, that's what makes a lot of things interesting is the story behind them. And that I think that's sort of why we're having this conversation and I try and have these conversations with different people from Wales and living in Wales is you want to know about the person. You know, I think it's, you know, it's really interesting finding out, you know, looking at a piece of art. Um, but if you know that that's been inspired or been sparked from a real life situation, experience or something, that just adds a whole new world. That's why I love working on, like, plays and theatre that are based on real people. Mm. Because it's just, for me, so much more fascinating. That's not to say that, you know, fiction isn't amazing as well. But there is that something, there's that connection, I think, to the person behind the art. Do you think you come across a lot in your art, would you say? I know a lot of, like, the people that know me and know my art say that, and they can tell that the artwork's mine. Um, I think I very much wear my heart on my sleeve and sort of have no sort of issues with putting whatever out there. So I definitely think a lot of my artwork sometimes does speak a lot about me. Mm. Uh, maybe not you can put the face and name, but, like, it definitely does speak. Like, I did a project a while ago... Uh, not it's called not about the penetration, uh, because I wasn't able to have sex until I was twenty years old, nineteen twenty, uh, which was obviously a big issue growing up. And everyone would come up to me like, "That's insane! You're so vulnerable!" And I'm like, "That's just what I do." Like, didn't realize how vulnerable I was making myself by doing that. But like, that was huge for me. Once mm. I sort of it dawned on me what I'd done, I just put this piece of work out there, and I was like. Well, everyone now knows that I can't have sex, woo. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which was really fun. I think definitely, like, stuff like that. I don't know a lot of people that would be so willing to throw themselves out there. I did the hand action then as well. The road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess you could say a lot of my work does sort of speak to me and say who I am. I think I just like to show a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion. Yeah. So... If you could sum up your work in sort of a sentence, what does it say about you, do you think? That's a really big question, I understand. But, you know, if just a a gut feeling, what does your work say about you? She loves bright colours, drawing people having sex, and isn't afraid to say anything. Nice. That would be how I'd sum up myself in a sentence. (laughs) Yeah, I know, that's a really hard question, I (laughs) realise. Oh, awesome. So, you know, we're in the minute in this weird time. And I know you're a coffee lover. We're going a little bit off art at the minute. But if you could create your ultimate coffee right now, what would it be? It would be an extra massively large iced caramel macchiato with extra caramel. Nice. That's what I'd be having right now. (laughs) (laughs) awesome who would you say inspires you not necessarily from the art world but generally in your life this is going to sound really sad for my mum yeah (laughs) because she's always taught me to be strong and just like 
I guess, sort of use things as a positive way of dealing with stuff. Like, there was always this running joke as a kid, if I cut my knee, my parents would be like, well, you've got another one. <laughs> and that always kind of stuck with me. I think that's quite common with parents, but I guess it's just quite stuck with me that, you know, it's not the end of the world, these situations, and you will get through it. And I think that's kind of inspired a lot of my work, sort of using it as my avenue of dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. It's come from that. My mum's always been like, well, you'll be fine. Like, you'll get over it. He was an idiot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely my mum, as sad as that sounds. No, it's good. And what do you think is the first thing you're going to do once um, this whole lockdown is lifted, do you think? Give every human possible a hug. Oh. I just want to go hug everyone, yeah. I think. Yeah. Go have lots of cups of tea with people and lots of hugs and just check everyone's all right, I think. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do, because uh, I'm quite a bit of a social butterfly in general anyway, so not being able to see people mm. is quite difficult at the moment. So I think that's what I'm going to go do nice. anyway. Yeah, I think most people are going to do a similar sort of thing. I said um, to Gwerid, I just want to like be able to drive down the M4 to like Carmarthen. And he was like, why? It's like, just because I can. Do you know what I mean? Just because I'll be able to. Um, and just go visit everybody on the way, you know? Talking about having a connection with people and, you know, not being able to collaborate in the moment. If you could collaborate with one artist, any other artist in the world, not necessarily art, it could be musician, anything, who do you think you'd like to collaborate with? Oh my god, that's such a big question. Uh, oh, who would I want to collaborate with? I'd want to do it with someone really mental. <laughs> do they ha- can they be alive or do they... No, okay, let's, this is like alive or dead. You know, this is a theoretical... Alive or dead. Yeah. Okay, it would be Keith Flint from The Prodigy. Oh, and why? Why would you? Because he's as mental as I aspire to be. And I just think his crazy ideas would be really fun to play with and I'd be meeting my hero at the same time actually to be fair yeah uh, I think that's probably who just he's the first person that's wrong to mind amazing good choice <laughs> so to end every one of my podcasts I ask my guests to finish three sentences so the first one is I love what I do because Making art is my life. That's what I'm going to answer with. Brown. The next one is, if I could change one thing about the world? It would be... I would probably change and end poverty, if I could. Poverty being a blanket term for most things. But yeah, that's probably what I would do right now. And the final one is, I'm happiest when... I found a really good TV show to watch on Netflix. I've got my favourite coffee and I'm at my desk doodling and it's all going really well. That would be when I'm at my happiest, I think. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. You too, Daisy. It's been lovely.
A massive thank you to Georgia for joining me this week. It was brilliant to talk about her work. It's not something we get to talk about often, so it was really fantastic to learn more about it. If you'd like to take a look at her work, she is on Instagram under G Lillian Illustration. I'll pop the link in the comments below. If you are new to Have Another Cuppa, please go back and take a listen to the rest of our episodes. There are 13 fantastic guests for you to get to know. I'd like to say a massive thank you to Joshua David Bartholomew for writing our music and to all of you again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. I hope you all have a lovely week and I'll speak to you then. Bye. Mm-hmm.